and he has made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I repeated that on purpose. He's our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. It's his pasture. He's put us there. And the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, today, if you will hear his voice, God's always talking to us. We just got to be listening, right? And the Bible says he knows our thoughts, right? So, he got, the NSA's got nothing on God. If you're worried about the NSA or whoever out there in the government listening to your conversations or monitoring everything you do, they ain't got nothing on God. Not only is he monitoring what they're doing and what we're doing, but he knows their thoughts. So they ain't got nothing. I mean, God, I'm not worried about them. They need to be worried about God. Right? So we don't have anything to worry about. The creator of all this stuff that we see around us is sitting right here. Because if, if God is everywhere, you can't turn around and he's not there. You can't run from God. You know, and, and we say things like we invite his presence. But really his presence is already here. But we want him to know that we want, we are, we welcome him here. I want him to talk to me today. I want to hear from God today. I want to know that he knows that I'm here and that he's brought me something. You know, you ever, you ever had a, been having a, my wife and I have had this happen. We've had conversations with each other about stuff and it's like the next day or something we'll hear a message and that, that very thing that we were talking about will come up in that message and we'll go, We'll say this word, wow, as if, wow, that's amazing. But God knows what he's doing, you know? And so he's, he, he lets, he, to me, he lets us know, I heard your conversation. And here I, I'm going to minister to you about that thing. So I want you all to just believe that God is here to minister. Every time you come to this house, every time this man says something or Sister Parker says, gets up here and says something or whoever's here, God has sent them with something. And he's, you know, he, I've been thinking about this. He, this kind of has to do with my subject of unity. But he, he individually saves each one of us personally. You know, it's like the little kid that wants to get in daddy's lap and then the other little kids want to get in daddy's lap and, and daddy has to say, well, I only got so much room on my lap for one at a time. And God, He's not overwhelmed by if all of us come to him at one time, he's not overwhelmed. He takes it personally, each one of us. So he personally saved us. And see, he personally cares for each one of us day by day. So he knows what's going on in your life and your life and your life and your life. And, your, and he knows what, what, what concerns us. And he's going to minister to that. So we just kind of have to enter in and know that he's the great creator. He's our Heavenly Father. He loves us. Right? He might let some stuff come in our life to, to kind of, you know, the Bible says that, that 
that we're going to be purged if we're a part of the plant, if we're tied to the vine. If we're a branch on the vine, what do they do to grapevines? They, they cut them up every year because they want new wood. They want the new stuff to come out so they can get, they don't want grapes off those old 10 year old vine branches. They want new branches. So, so he's going to purge us sometimes and it's not going to feel good, but it's for our good. Those, those plants are ugly when you have to whack them at, in the spring, but when they pop up and all those flowers start popping up and it's not so ugly anymore. Right? You gotta go through that step. So, anyway, the Lord led me to just read that. So God's here today to talk to us. Amen? How many believes that? Amen. And so we're gonna continue in this, the vein, I guess, of core values talking about unity. And I was kind of, <clears throat> came to the realization today, or yesterday, that I only have three Sundays this month to teach a four, four lesson, lesson. So, so you're probably going to get the Reader's Digest condensed version, which you were going to get anyway, because the more I studied this subject of unity, the more I, and more I realized that this is in the very, you cannot exhaust this subject. There's just so much that my limited little pea brain can can put my hands around. The Lord's going to only let me have so much. So, but this this uh, this whole subject of unity is so expansive. There's no way that anybody can cover it in four lessons or three. So we're going to do our best to just kind of do what we can. And uh, as the Lord speaks to you, I left you a lot of room on there for personal notes. So it, I'm not going to put everything because I don't know what I'm going to say in a lot of cases. The Lord's going to lead me to say stuff and. So that might be something he's sending out there to minister to you, and you might want to write that down. I know that's what I've, I've done that since I, the day I got in church. I went out and got me a steno notebook, because I looked over and saw some guys writing notes in the church in Okinawa, and I said, must be the thing to do. So I went and got my notebook, and I've been taking notes ever since, and now I do it on my iPad. So if you ever see me back there on my iPad, I'm not on the Internet. I'm not playing around. I'm actually typing notes. Because that stuff just flows, and I gotta—I know if I don't write it down, I'll forget it. It's just the consequences of getting old or something. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Too many things going on up here. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter four. We're going to read verse one through sixteen. This is going to be kind of our key uh, verses for this whole thing. I don't know if we'll read it every time, but we're going to refer to it from time to time as we go through the lesson. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Wow, Paul's a prisoner. Considers himself a prisoner. Right? So we need to think like Paul as we're talking about this. Paul considered himself a prisoner. I'm, I don't get to have a say in what I get to do. I get to do what the Lord tells me to do. And it might not be what I want to do, but the Lord's telling me to do it, so... That's how Paul kind of approached ministry. I'm going to do what the Lord's leading me to do and let him worry about the details. So Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Everybody say, I have a vocation. We all have a vocation wherewith we're called. We just need to figure that out. Let the Lord tell us. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Paul had to learn these things on his own, didn't he? He's speaking from experience. Endeavoring to keep the unity, everybody say unity, of the Spirit, 
not just unity, but the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And he was talking to the church. That wasn't to everybody in the whole world. That was He was talking to the church when he said that. But and unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So grace is a gift that he gives us. He empowers us. He gives us the ability to do things that we couldn't otherwise do by ourselves. But with his grace, we're able to accomplish those things. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men, mankind. Now that he ascended, what? What is it but that he has also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Everybody say, that's me. We're the body. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. There's that word unity again. It's throughout the Bible. Whether it's the word or the concept, it's it's throughout the Bible. And the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or an, a mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but... By the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow unto him, up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Christ is the head. Is he not? And that, so if we're the body and he's the head, that's all, Sister Parker. If we're the body and he's the head, they gotta be connected, don't they? We don't, we don't wanna have a headless body. Do we? No. And the body doesn't function without the head, does it? In the natural. Because this thing up here between your ears tells the body everything to do. While you're sitting there, it's telling you to breathe. It's telling you your heart to beat. It's telling you, it's telling you everything. It's, 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 it's making your ears work so that when I'm speaking, this stuff is going in and it's processing. So without the head, your body is what? Dead. Right? So unity is important, isn't it? Amen. So Christian unity, the unity of the spirit, is unity that starts from within and works outward. It's just like a flower, a tree, or the human body. They all started from a seed. Did they not? And from that little seed... That plant grew. As the body of Christ is absolutely imperative that we have unity for the sake of the kingdom. We gotta have unity. If we're all going in different directions, the kingdom's not, is not gonna be, it's not gonna grow. Amen? Unity along with everything else starts with God. It starts with God. There's, there is no one else but God. He created and controls all of it. We just read that, didn't we? So let's go to the book of Isaiah real quick, chapter 5 and 6. Um, 
I'm sorry, chapter 45, verse 5 and 6. Just so we can kind of lay some groundwork that God is the center of it all. He's the beginning of unity. I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. He's the center of everything. Everything exists because of Him. Everything exists from Him. And so there we are united, if you want to put it that way, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have Him dwelling on the inside of us. Right? If we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, He's living, He's tabernacling on the inside of us. So we are connected to Him by His Spirit. And so we have to be, in order for us to accomplish anything on this earth, we have to stay connected for the kingdom, I should say. If we wish to accomplish anything for the kingdom on this earth, we have to be connected to the source. Like that branch that's connected to the, to the, to the vine that's coming out of the ground, where the roots are, where all the, the nutrients and sustenance comes from. As long as we're connected to that source, we're going to do great things because he's going to give us all that we need. All the nutrition, spiritual nutrition, all the things that we need. we got to be united with our creator, with the one that personally saved each one of us. If we expect to do anything for the kingdom. What did, you, what did he say? He said, except you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can, you can do nothing. And that, that actually means that you cannot do one single thing. You might try, you might put forth a lot of effort, but really to accomplish something for the kingdom, we need Him. We need that connection. We need that unity with Him. John 17, verse 8 through 23 says, As thou hast sent me unto the world, even so have I also sent thee unto the world. For and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And they all, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, and that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. He's given that to us. And that they may be one even as we are one. That word one, again, implies, and if we break that down, it it talks about unity, being united, being connected, being one with him. You know, when two people get married, the Bible says that these two shall become one flesh. You are eternally connected in God's eyes. So wherever you go, she's with you, whether she's with you or not, whether Wherever she goes, you're with her, whether she, whether you're physically with her or not. The two are connected. In them and thou, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them and, and thou hast loved me. So we are directly connected to the master, to the king, to the creator of this world. And there's, as long as we understand that and, main, and we live in that, there's nothing we can't do. 
as long as it's the things that he's directed us to do. If God tells us to go do something, go to a town, he, he's done it for years. People are sent to places and they don't understand why. Why are you sending me here, God? There's nobody here. Well, God just, they go obediently, sometimes reluctantly, but they go obediently and God shows them. I'm here with you. And he opens doors and he gives them contacts and things begin to happen. And one one by one thing happens, one after another thing starts happening. And next thing they know, they got people coming to their, to their little, their home or whatever. And, and God doesn't just, just willy nilly do things. As long as that person, that family stays connected to him, they're going to accomplish the thing that he sent them to do. So it's all about unity. Can we go to Colossians 1.18? Real quick, and I wrote this one in this morning. And he is the head of the body. There you go. We are, we're the body, right? He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Okay, we've got to be obedient to the head, right? Now, our brain is so awesome, and our body, the way God made it, is so awesome that, Brother Terry, if you smash your thumb with a hammer or you stub your toe or you step on a piece of glass or you cut yourself, every part of your body, let's say you stub your toe, or you, every part of your body runs to that part. Your other hand immediately grabs that thumb and your, your brain tells your mouth to say, Ow! Right? And you feel that pain Where? Everywhere in your body. You feel that pain in your feet. You feel it in, you feel it everywhere. Anybody ever done that? You feel that pain and everything you were doing at that point ceases. You stop. You don't just keep driving that nail. You stop and you throw that hammer down and you go, ow! The body is united. Isn't it? And it reacts to that that, that pain that, that you just subjected yourself to, you weren't supposed to hit your thumb. Right? And so our spiritual body has to be the same way, doesn't it? We have to work in unity. When somebody in the body is hurting, everybody needs to be hurting. When somebody in the body has something great happen, everybody needs to be excited about that person having that great thing happen to them. We need unity in the body. Now, there's this thing called a spirit of unity. Has anybody ever heard of that? Having a spirit of unity. Right? We can have a spirit or an attitude of unity and yet have no unity of the spirit. Right? A football team has a spirit of unity. If they all go out there working together toward the same end and realizing that the other ten guys... I need those other ten guys. Right? Or you can have not have a spirit of unity where the the offensive line doesn't like the quarterback. And they decide they're not going to block. Well, what's going to happen? <laughs> it's going to be ugly. All it takes is one guy not operating as a team member. And things can just go south real quick. Or a basketball team. you got one guy that wants to hog the ball and be the hero and not pass the ball to anybody. There's no team, teammanship there. There's no unity there. 
And it's going to fail. It's going to fall because the other parts of the unit aren't being connected together. And so we've got to be like that in the body. Amen? We've got to be like that. So it's all about attitude. And it, and it can apply to anything that we do. Right? You know, political parties have a spirit of unity. Right? People that protest things have a spirit of unity. A bunch of guys that go to an AA meeting have a spirit of unity. They're all there toward working toward the same end, aren't they? They're united in their effort to not do that stuff anymore and to be together to encourage each other not to do that stuff anymore, right? So we can have a spirit of unity in a church, but we need to have unity with the spirit. That's the kind of unity that we need. Amen? As members of the body of Christ, we are the ambassadors and the missionaries on earth. If you've had an opportunity to watch or listen to any of the, the family camp, Brother Littles was emphasizing this a lot. We are those, we are the missionaries. We are the ambassadors to this world for Jesus Christ. We are the connection back to Him. We have ambassadors in this in this country that go to other countries that represent our country, that represent our president. And they are, they have to be united with the way he thinks and the way he does his office so that they represent him correctly to those foreign nations. And so we are that. We are his hands and we are his feet. We are the body. Your feet and your hands don't go anywhere without your head. Right? They don't. You can't function without your head. So we as the body of Christ have to depend on the head. And he told us that we are the body and he is the head of the body, which is the church. We just read that. So we have this, this singing group called Casting Crowns and they, they sing this song. I used to have it as a ringtone on my phone. I'm trying to find it and put it back on there. But the chorus says, the name of the song is, if, it says, if we are the body. And the chorus says, but if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? Why is his love not showing them there is a way? Jesus is the way. Isn't that awesome? If we are the body of Christ, why aren't His arms reaching? They're His arms. We're just His hands, His feet, His arms. Why aren't His hands healing? Why aren't His words teaching? Why aren't we doing the thing that He's called us to do? Right? Your, your hands are designed for, for certain, do certain things that your feet can't do. Right? Your feet are designed, you don't walk around on your hands. Do you? <laughs> it's okay if you do. But your feet were designed to walk. Your hands were designed to manipulate things. Right? Every part of the body is special and unique. You can't do things if you don't have a thumb. I may know that. Go get your thumb cut off and see, you can't grab anything now. You know, you can't grab a sword or anything. You can't grab anything. So even though it might seem like an unseemly part of the body, it's necessary. It has a purpose. I used to use this a lot when I was younger. 
them. I'm sorry. That thumb got me a lot of places. Praise God. So we are His hands and His feet. We are the catalyst, if you will, or the vehicle through which He operates and fulfills His plan on the earth. We are to be His, at His beck and call to accomplish whatever He desires for us to do. That's, that's a hard one right there. To be so united with the Master that, and I, I strive for this all the time. I really do. Because I know I want to kind of decide what I want to do. Right? We all have that. It's built into us. We all want to be in charge of ourselves. We all want to decide what we want to do today. Right? And we just read about Paul. What did he say? I, the prisoner of the Lord. What was he saying? Why was he saying that? He didn't just flippantly say that. I'm the prisoner of the Lord. A prisoner doesn't have a get, have a say so, do they? They get up when everybody else gets up. They get fed when everybody else gets fed. They get to let, be let out of their cell whenever they get told to. And they get to go back in their cell whenever they're told to. Right? You don't have any rights as a prisoner. You get to do what they tell you to do in a prison. So Paul's a prisoner. He's saying, I am so united with the master that I don't, I give up my right to have a say in anything. He's directing my steps. He's ordering my life. He's telling me what to do and I'm just saying, okay, I don't like doing this. I don't want to do this, but you're telling me to do it. So I'm going to do it because you said so. And I'm trusting you to go with me as, as you're sending me. You know, and Paul went through all kinds of stuff. He went through shipwrecks. He, he was beaten. He was stoned nearly to death and got back up and kept going because God said, I'm not done with you yet. How many have ever actually seen somebody be stoned? If you go out on the web, I don't, unless you just want to see some gore, there's video out there and they're doing it in Muslim countries. They will take somebody out and bury them up to here, and then they will stone them to death for just silly stuff. And I, ha- I had to make myself watch it one time, and it was like, that's what Paul went through. I mean, that was brutal. I'm not talking about little bitty rocks either. I'm talking about big, they're just heaving big stones. I- I'm sorry. But that's what Paul went through. And he willingly said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And he had to, he had to endure that stuff. And so that's, how, that's what it means to be united with the king. The wedding of the bride united with the groom. Right? That sounds all wonderful. But there's a part of that where we gotta, we're in his beck and call. We're united to him. And so it's whatever he says to do. He needs human agency on the earth. If you look back at the New Testament, and then even in the Old Testament, everything he did was through human agency. He, everything he, he accomplished was through human prophets. And the, the books of the Bible were written by men that were human, right? That were ordained and anointed by God to write those things and to record those things. God could have done all that himself. He even needed a man to write the Ten Commandments, to stand there and carry him down the mountain. So he needs us. He's the head and we're the body. He needs us to accomplish his will. 
So it's important, and we're kind of talking about defining unity. So that's what we're doing here today is I'm really kind of, in a roundabout way, defining unity to us in in respect to what we have to understand unity to be with regard to the church. Okay? Because we are, we are the lighthouse in this city. We are the ones that he planted right here in La Crosse to reach this city. So it's, it's in, it in, it's up to us to, to find that place and see, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be what we want to do sometimes. Most of the time. I'm sure Paul had other stuff he wanted to do. What do you, do you think so? Paul probably had other stuff he would rather be doing. But he, when, when he, when, when something happens to you like happened to Paul on the road, and you get blinded and, and, and that just changes your life forever, you're willing to do, you don't just make the, a statement at the altar and say, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And then you walk away from the altar and redig from that 15 minutes later. He didn't. He, he maintained that. He said, I'm yours. My hands are up. I surrender. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And we read about that now, but Paul went through that. His, I mean, there's probably times he just said, Lord, just take me home. <laughs> Wouldn't you have said that? Well, if they're stoning me, go ahead and take me. Because Stephen, he, man, he got stoned and he was going like that. He got to get out of here. So, but Paul had to go through. He had to be willing to stay united to the one that saved him. Not understanding the things that he went through. Unity, unite, united, one, together, togetherness, union, and other similar words, as I was studying this, came to my mind. So, and I'm sure you're thinking of other words that, that, that are words that relate to the word unity. It's all about togetherness. We, you know, we were singing that song the last time I was up here teaching about we're together again, just praising the Lord, we're together again in one accord. They were in one accord in one place in the upper room. Right? They had the same, they were headed toward the same end of the road. They were, they were all there for the same purpose. They did what, the, the last thing Jesus told them to do was go and tarry in Jerusalem. And he didn't say, you 500, he just said go. And that was for whoever was was listening. And so the ones that decided, I'm going to stay united with this one that that just did so many things and this just un, can't can't explain it. And so they those about 120 it says in the Bible went to that upper room and they tarried there. They were willing to stay united. They were willing to unite themselves to a cause to something that was bigger than themselves, and it paid off, didn't it? It paid off. Can you imagine if just one person did that? Can you imagine the upper room? Peter's the only one up there. Can you just imagine that? One, only one guy decided he was going to follow Jesus. Can you imagine that? How different the story would have been? Probably not any different. Because Jesus would have done that for one if they'd have went there. One that said, I'm going to unite with this one that I can't explain, I can't understand. But 120 people said, we're going to unite together. Not just have a spirit of unity, but they had a unity of the spirit. Because the goal in the end of the game for them was not themselves, was it? 
It was they knew it was something greater. They just wanted to be there when it happened. How many feel like that? I want to be there when it happens. I want I, when God starts doing stuff, when when people start getting out of wheelchairs in this building, I want to be there. I don't want to hear about the other church down there that that's happening in. Do you? I mean, I like hearing that stuff. Somebody got healed at a church this morning. Somebody, that's great. I'm I'm glad. I'm happy for them. But I want that to happen right here. We got people right here that need to get out of wheelchairs. Need to throw their walkers down. Need to, you know, whatever. We got people right here in this city that say, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was a drunk, but now I'm not. I'm a, like my friend Juan Garcia. He stood up and testified. I'm a redeemed Marine. He had done drugs. He had done all this stuff. Him and his wife were getting ready to commit suicide. They, he pulled his wallet out and pulled a razor blade out and showed us. He said, but God came right at the moment when I was about to do that and He saved me and delivered me. Don't tell me God doesn't know what He's doing. But somebody had to be connected to God. Somebody had to be there to be that vessel, to be that conduit, to be that, that, that individual, that human element that God used to bring that person to the building, to take them down to the water and, and all the things that happened. So we got to be united. Other words that are synonymous with unity are integration, amalgamation, coalition, federation. You've all heard these words. Harmony, accord, collaboration. My wife does that a lot in the school with other teachers. They collaborate. They work together for the kids to get the same lesson plan together so that they're all on the same page, the same sheet of music, so that to the kids they see unity among the, the staff and the teachers. This, this stuff's important in the world as is in the church. Amen? Consensus, solidarity, concord, oneness, singleness, wholeness. We need to have unity with one another. Right? That doesn't mean we're always all going to agree. But we need to have a spirit of unity with one another. Working towards the same end. I don't think like you do and you don't think like I do. But that God knows that. That's why he brought us all together. That's why he went out and got 12 different guys with different backgrounds and personalities. Some of them might have been fishermen together. Some of them might have been doing this kind of work together. But they were all different personalities. And I believe he did that on purpose. That was an object lesson for us of, see, I can take 12 totally different personalities and make, get them to work together. And those 12 guys did that, didn't they? They united together under the same banner of Jesus Christ. And they went forward and they took this gospel to the world. And here we are today because of that. Amen? So we need unity with God. We need unity with His Word and His way or unity of the Spirit. Praise God. And we need to have unity with ourselves or within ourselves because we have this inner man. That he saved us. And so we need to have unity with him within ourselves. And we need to be satisfied. And we need to be willing to acknowledge that, God, I can't do anything without you. I need to be united to you. We need to have that settled within ourselves. Right? That's true. We do. So the word unite in the uh, Old Testament, it's a verb meaning to join. See, unite is a verb, not a noun. It's an action word. To be united. 
letting one's honor be united to their cause. Job asked that the night of his birth not be joined or united to the days of, of the year. Job 3 and 6. It is all, it is used figuratively of the psalmist's desire for the Lord to unite his heart to walk in God's ways and to fear him. Psalms 86 and 11. Unite me with your heart, God. Let me feel your heartbeat. Let me, let me feel what you feel, God. Let me hear the, the crying and the sighing of those that are out there that don't know who you are, that are in their home somewhere crying out to some, some God they don't know. Let me hear that. Cause God hears that. He does. He heard the people of Israel crying out when they were in Egypt in bondage. He heard that. That's what he told Abraham. I've heard the cries of the people. So he hears that. And I want to hear what God hears. I want to feel what God, that urgency that he feels. He wants those souls to be saved. He he would that all men might be saved. And he needs us to be the ones to, to make that connection. Yes, he'll draw them, but we're the ones that got to go knock on their door, hand them a card or whatever it is like we were doing yesterday. You just never know, but you got to be there. Paul had to be there. He couldn't send somebody else in a lot of cases. He had to be the one to go. We are the ones. We're, we're just like Paul. He's, he's called us and separated us and he's sending us out. We're, we're part of that same body of Christ that started on that day of Pentecost. Right? We're still a part of that same body. Acts 2 and 1 says, and on the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We already talked about that. They were one and the same temperament and mind is what that means. That, that phrase right there uh, in that scripture, with one accord, means they were one and the same, which is humos, homos, and thumos, which is temperament or mind. So they were one with one mind, with unanimous consent, in one accord all together. That's the attitude, if you want to call it that, that's the attitude that we need to have as a body of believers. And when I tell you that, we all shake our head and go, yeah, we, we agree, we need that. But we, it's not going to just happen just because we all come together in this building every Sunday and every Wednesday. Right? It's just not going to be automatic just because we show up here. It takes work. Because I don't think like Brother Parker does. And he doesn't think like I do. Thank God. He's an individual. I'm an individual. You're an individual. And God knows that, just like those 12 guys he got together that totally were totally opposite of all of each other. But God had a way of working those 12 guys together with all their attitude differences, and Peter was just real impetuous and just fly off the handle and just do some dumb stuff like take his sword out and whack a guy's ear off or something, you know. And Jesus had to go, put your sword away, Peter. There's no need for that. Right? So we're all not going to agree all the time, but we do have to come together and work very hard to create that spirit of unity in the body and to have a unity of the spirit in the body where we're all following what Jesus is saying through the man of God. Right? Because I know from my own experience, when people walk in the door, they feel that if it's not there. They know if there's no unity in the body. They know. They might not say anything, but I, that was the first thing that drew me. 
was, wow, these people just, there's just something about these people. They just love each other and, and they, you know, and, and I just felt that love of God. I felt that, that unitedness in that body. I felt that. And that was one of the main things that drew me and kept me coming. These people are working together towards the same goal. It just, you know, I, it was hard to explain, but, but that's what it was all about. And so we've got to have that. And I'm going to keep emphasizing this. We are the body of Christ. We are united to the head. We've got to stay united to the head. If we'll trust Him and believe Him, He'll lead us and guide us, won't He? Amen? And our prayer needs to be, God help me. You know, we need to pray for one another and pray for ourselves and pray for our church that we have a spirit of unity and the unity of the spirit among us. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work. It's not just going to happen. And once we reach that place, we can't just let up and just and say, okay, we got it. We don't have to do anything else. No, it's going to, we're going to have to work at it every day. Because we have an enemy out there. And I'm not here to glorify the devil, but his goal and purpose in life is to get us to be dis, have disunity in the body. He doesn't have to come at us and throw sin in our life. If he can get us to have disunity among ourselves, he's done his job. He can just sit back and have a drink, a glass of tea and just, just laugh. Because he's got us all dis, all discombobulated and disjointed and not united and everybody wanting their own way and doing their own thing and, and he's done his job. Because if he can get us divided, we don't have to worry about the rest of it. You know, he doesn't have to come tempt us with other stuff. He's got us fighting among ourselves. We're not going to accomplish anything for the kingdom. That's his goal. Right? How many wants to accomplish something for the kingdom? It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about what He wants. And if every one of us has that same mindset, that same attitude, that spirit, that attitude of unity, and we're trying to, we're striving to find out what He wants, He's going to make sure we're united. Right? Because God is not the author of confusion, is He? He's not the author of disunity either. He's the God of gods. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the very definition of love. That word love in the Bible that is uh, the Greek word agape, for example, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and that the charity or agape of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Paul was like, he was really excited that the charity or the agape of every one of you toward each other abounded. He was he was glad that the church in Thessalonica had this kind of an attitude, that they got along with each other. They, they had this spirit among them of charity one toward another, that it not only did they have it, but it abounded. It was overflowing, and that's just going to be the, the vehicle, in my opinion, that just draws people. It's just going to, they're going to say, wow, this is, I want to be a part of this group. Because they, you know, like God said when they were, when they were building that tower, they were, I was reading about that and, and it said that they weren't trying to build the tower to heaven. They were creating a place called heaven. Like they were making their own heaven on earth. 
And they were trying to build a tower to the to a to a precipice they called heaven. Right? And what did God say about that whole thing? There's nothing that they can that they can stop them from doing whatever they decide to do because they're all united. So what did he do? <laughs> he fixed that, didn't he? He confounded their language. Right? So God, even God said, if they have unity, I can't stop them from doing anything. So unity is that important that God even recognized it. Amen? So love is probably one of the main keys for our unity. You know, they'll know we are Christians if we have what? Love, agape, one for another. Why agape? Why not the other philos or eros or one of those other ones? Because agape is unconditional love. There's, philos is like brotherly love. It's a condition. There's a condition there. You have to be, it's a brother thing, right? Eros is, there's conditions in that kind of love. But agape, there is no condition. It's a God love. God doesn't love, he loves us unconditionally, right? And so he puts that love in us. So that we can love unconditionally. Right? And once again, that doesn't mean that we don't disagree, but we, we love our brother and we love our sister, realizing that they are who they are and we are who we are, and God's going to work that out. Right? You know, I haven't spent the last 34 years trying to change my wife. I've just spent the last 34 years just loving her. Because I realized early on, I can't change her. The only one I can change is this guy right here. And I, I can't even do that very well without God's help. Right? So if I surely can't change her and I can barely change myself without God's help, I have no business even trying to change her. But I can talk to God about that. God can take care of that. And, he, you know, He does. If I just work on me, it's amazing how God will work all the other stuff out. I just stay united with the one that's in charge. Unity is important. There's a story that's told of a Special Olympics event that took place a few years ago somewhere in the in the U.S. And nine contestants were all physically and mentally disabled lined up at the starting line of a 100-yard dash. They started the gun. The starting gun went off, and they all started running. It wasn't exactly a dash. But they were all doing the best they could. That was their goal, to run the race the best of, to the best of their ability. They, had, they all headed for the finish line, all except the one boy who stumbled and fell on the asphalt. After trying to get up and tumbling a couple of times, he began crying. Get that picture in your mind. You ever been to a Special Olympics event? The other eight runners heard the boy's sobs and slowed down. Eventually, every one of them turned and went back to their to their friend, the little boy who had fallen, and one little girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed him and said, this will make it better. Then all nine linked arms and walked together to the finish line. And then the story goes, everybody in the stadium stood and the applause didn't stop for over ten minutes. Now that is a picture of unity right there. So physically maybe and spiritually, that's what we got to do. 
when somebody, when one of us is down, we got to stop. When we were running PT in the military, if somebody fell out, I hated this. We somebody always was falling. They turned the entire unit. We'd run all the way around and go back and pick this guy up or this female up, and we'd all and then somebody else would fall out. We'd take the whole unit. Would have to turn around and run a whole big circle, come around and pick that guy up, right? Because we weren't leaving one behind. And that's the attitude we had to have. We were so united as a platoon or as a squad or as a company that we weren't leaving that one. Even though it was just on the road on post, the whole concept that they're getting in your mind, you don't leave a soldier behind. You don't leave a, a member of the team behind. You go back and pick them up. Everybody. <laughs> so we got the benefit of Way a lot more running out of that, I guess. I don't know. But we were a unit. And if somebody in the unit goes down, everybody stops and goes back and takes... We don't move forward without every member of the body. Right? Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and unity... And it doesn't say this, but it implies it, so I stuck it in there. In the faith and the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, Paul just, to me, I, my, my reading of the New Testament and, and Paul writing these letters, he just really just hammered the point of unity over and over and over again with these churches. Because they had a tendency to, to kind of begin to splinter and divide once he went away. So he was trying to keep them together, right? Because he knew that, that they could do more together as a group than individually. So he was trying, he was doing what he could to write these letters to, to tell them, don't worry about all this other external stuff. Stay focused on what you're supposed to be doing. In that same scripture, Ephesians 4.13 in Amplified says, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might uh, arrive at, rule, at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of, the, of Christ, of the Christ, and the completeness found in Him. And then also in the, in the translation that I have on my iPad called the God's Word translation, it says that, this is to continue until all of us are united in our faith and in our knowledge about God's Son until we become mature and until we measure up to Christ who is the standard. Right? So are we still working toward measuring up to Christ in our life? We're all still on that road, aren't we? We're all still trying to measure up to Him. Because none of us will ever measure up to where he was. He was perfect, right? But we're striving for perfection, right? The Bible says we're striving for perfection. We're all on that same road. We're all running that same run. We're all trying to get to the finish line and get a good time on our run, right? So we, we need to make sure that we all get there together. Amen? Last scripture, um, Luke 13, 24 says, Strive or be a contender or like in a wrestling match or a boxing match. Strive to enter into the straight gate. For many I say unto you, 
will seek to enter in and shall not be able to. It's, it's a striving. It's an effort. Unity is going to take effort. Does everybody agree with that? It's going to take effort. And then one last thing as I close. Um, kind of got into this a little bit as I was studying this. Uh, the u- word uniformity kind of came into my mind. I know. I already saw Sister Bell's dollar on the thing. <laughs> so finally, it, I, I have here, it says that it's very easy to mistake uniformity for unity. Right? So it needs to be emphasized that unity is not the same as uniformity. Uniformity is the idea of someone, of something or someone being of a similar form or character to another. And I used the example, and I actually experienced this. I saw two women on a bus, on a public transit bus, that looked apostolic. They both had long skirts on. They both had long hair. They both didn't have makeup on. They both didn't have earrings on. They both looked apostolic. And I knew the one lady, but the other lady I didn't know. And in all likelihood, she wasn't apostolic. She just dressed that way. So we got to be careful. To not assume, based on certain external things, that uh, that uniformity means one thing or the other. You know, if that person, I don't know if that person was or not, but if they weren't, they just happened to be dressed like that. But it doesn't mean they're one that they believe what we believe and they live what we live, right? It doesn't mean that. So we got to be careful of of confusing uniformity with unity, right? All the guys on the basketball team might be wearing the same uniform, but if one guy decides he's the hot dog and he's going to do everything, there's no unity there, but they do have uniformity, right? They all have the same uniform on. They play for the same team. They stand under the same coach. We're not identical blocks of wood. We're not cookies on a cookie sheet that are just cut out, right? We're all unique individuals, but God, the great God who saved us individually, takes us and unites us together. It makes us one. We have congregations all over the world, churches we call them, where there's all kinds of different people from all kinds of different nationalities and walks of life that are all getting along together toward the same end, right? So it can be done. So praise God. And we will pick this up in two Sundays.